At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Guardians, and welcome to the Destiny Show podcast. Tonight on the show, we welcome an amazing group of Guardians, the living, breathing Destiny legends. They have conquered the greatest challenges that Bungie has thrown at us from Atheon to Oryx. These Guardians are the very best at what they do, slaying bosses and racing to the finish line for world's first they are the best in the world at Destiny Raids, three times reigning Destiny World Champions for Vault of Glass, King's Fall Raid, Runners Up for the Deep Stone Crypt, and we're so, so excited to welcome them on the show. We have four amazing guardians on the podcast, Cruz, uh, uh, Vile Fate, and we have Quaz on the show. Thank you, Guardians, for joining us tonight. We've also got Kairos now. He chopped in a VC up above, if you're able to bring him in. Welcome. Welcome, Kairos. Apologies about that. Hello. You've been waiting okay. here for us to get you in here, and we're here talking and didn't even realize you were here. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks, dude. A little bit fashionably late. And Guardians, tonight on the podcast, we're going to be putting our guests, the Destiny World's First Champions, on the hot seat for our discussion with the Guardians. We're going to talk about the King's Fall Master Raid. We have a Bungie Weekly update that hit just today. Not a big one, so just to set the proper expectations for y'all. And we also have Shadow Price on the show. Shadow Price, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Um, I made another purchase this week. <laughs> um, I I tend to have some interesting stories every week and you know week out. Like I bought a new car this week because I got tired of my old car. You know, you just get to that point where you just need something you know fresh. So I ended up getting a Jeep Wrangler. It's like uh, mojito green. It's uh, it's a, um, the color, they don't make it anymore. So it's uh, going to be very rare. And I'm going to like put some Destiny stuff on it. I think I'm going to rock the some of the uh, the tricorn and I might put like a Hunter decal on the side of it, possibly, and stuff. So yeah, 
and I'm going to lift it and do all the crazy stuff that people do with Jeeps. So, yeah. Sounds pretty exciting. And I, I saw some pictures of that Jeep. It looks pretty, pretty sweet. Thanks. Pretty, pretty nice vehicle. Fun to drive, and, too. Yeah. And we, we did talk about this just before the show. You're also about to make a pretty interesting purchase decision. Oh, yeah. A new piece of tech that uh, launched. And no, it's not the graphics cards. We're, we're going to talk about that next week on the show. But tonight, we're going to dive into other things. We have the Steam Deck that has been on order for quite some time now. And finally, Shadow Price got his invitation to purchase. And, and we're trying to figure out, is it worth it? Because, well... It doesn't play Destiny, at least not right of the, not right out of the box. Yeah, that that's kind of a deal breaker in a way for me, because you know it's one of the games I play. I, I'd want to play it on that if I was like somewhere out and about, like on a trip somewhere on a plane or in a hotel. It'd be cool to not have to lug a big system with me, and I could just whip out the Steam Deck and play it on that. That makes sense. And I'm I'm curious for, for, for all the Guardians here, did, did you all pick up the Steam Deck or did you order one for yourself? Uh, I have not. <laughs> I have not either. Have not. Imagine playing a raid on that. I mean, if we could play Destiny, you know, it would be. <laughs> that, that would be something. If I can play a raid on the Steam Deck, although I don't know how that would go, that would be a little bit challenging. Well, that's the thing. That's that's the whole idea. That's the challenge. <laughs> so my my question would be then, like, would you attempt to do like a day one clear with your no. Steam Deck? That's something that, you no, know, that. maybe it's so, a meme. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be a great <laughs> meme. I, I, I'd do that. I'd do that. You guys are giving me some ideas now. You're welcome. I might get a Steam Deck just so I can maybe make some memes with it. But that would be a pretty expensive meme machine. I, I did pre-order mine, although they did not send me the invitation to actually buy it. So I'm I'm still waiting on mine. But you know, we're, we'll we'll get there for sure. But Guardians, we're gonna be talking about some other things tonight on the show. We have Plan Elysium here with us, joining us tonight live. We have an amazing group of Guardians, and we're going to put them on the hot seat for our discussion with the Guardians. We have a bunch of questions from the community, and we cannot wait to dive in. So, Clan Elysium, I hope you're ready. First question we have for y'all is, how did you all get started in the Destiny community? Cruz, do you want to kick things off? Um, sure, you're talking about like our, like my own journey from when I started? Yeah, I'd love to learn more about your journey and how it all, how you got here. Well, I'll say like the journey to even getting day ones took a long time because as somebody who's played since the launch of D1, um, I, it definitely took some time because my first day one clear wasn't until Scourge or uh, Eater, actually. So that was over four years just to get a single day one clear on an arguably the easiest i don't really think it's that much of an argument but either definitely was pretty easy <laughs> um but yeah i mean i i played destiny started out super casually and then as the years went on i wanted to try and more try and find a more competitive group that i could you know do day ones with do some challenges with and not really struggle with doing a day-to-day -day raid type activity and 
fast forward a few more years later and now I'm on uh, the best raid team in the world. <laughs> now, did you ever think when you first started playing the game that you would get to a point where you can achieve world's first? I believed in my own skill, but finding five other people to do it with is incredibly difficult because you don't it's not always just about finding somebody who's like skilled enough to be there. You got to find a team who you're compatible with and that works well together. And I'd say that's what takes the longest, even as a good player, is finding the right group of people to be on a team with. So early on, definitely not. Um, but early Destiny 2, I, I when it kind of came to PC and at the time I was much more involved with PC gaming versus initially starting on Xbox. Um, and that's kind of when I decided to take the chance and try to find a more competitive environment and, you know, shoot for the stars. Now, you mentioned something really interesting, and, and that's finding that compatible group. And I feel that, you know, we've we've attempted not worlds first. I mean, I, I never thought that was ever even a possibility but day one clear and i feel that one thing that has held me back was not having that compatible group to kind of go in with because oftentimes we would have to find groups from lfg which probably is not the most ideal scenario because you haven't really had a chance to play with these individuals and to practice and to really get to a point where you can achieve that level of cohesion. I think a lot of that does come with time. You know, one thing that's really different about like our clan environment is that we are, I would say friends first who are also really good at the game. And it's more than just, like I said, um, just being good. You know, we really have like, a, a unique dynamic and we're more than just like a quote-unquote internet clan of old you know like this is really just like a friendship group like a brothers love that very cool and kairos what about yourself how did your journey get started in the world of destiny 2 uh i first started playing around black armory unlike my other teammates i didn't really play D1 or whatnot. My brother actually got me into the game and we kind of just started playing around doing some raids and they eventually drifted away from the game and I wanted to take it a bit more seriously so I joined a clan called Pup Crawl and from there we did a bunch of raiding and I was like you know what I want to get a day one clear because for Brown and Goss I didn't do so well with the LFG or my clanmates. I was like, you know, what? I'm going to find a serious team. And I joined Elysium, in which I've been there since around Season of Arrivals. And it's just been amazing so far. Just having an absolute fun with them, doing low man's challenges and whatnot. And my first ever day one clear was actually second place. So it's actually like really exciting for me to get that. That's so cool. And now... The raid that you did with your first clear, did you do it with the same group that we're currently with, or was it a different group? So for the DSC team, it was me, Quaz, Salt, and we had other clanmates that are not currently on the team, but they were Matt, Meme, and Stolshi. 
Quaz, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, Quaz, how did you get your start in, in Destiny? I started playing Destiny shortly after it came out. I downloaded the demo on PlayStation where you couldn't go past level eight. And I was like, this game's pretty fun. Saw my oh, cousin playing it. So talked to him. He's like, yeah, it's pretty good. Ended up getting the game. And then for my first raiding experience, him and I were just sitting in a party in the tower in D1, just inviting random people because we didn't have a clue if there was like an LFG system or how it worked. So we just invited random people until we ended up with six people in our fire team, not in VC or anything, and then loaded into the raid. We got lucky that one of the people that we invited happened to like actually know what they were doing. They like got everybody together in VC and we ended up going through and clearing it. So it was a pretty like neat way to start. And then I've just slowly played throughout all that. That must have been a really, really cool introduction to to Destiny raids for you. I did not play the beta. I played the demo version, which is the free, basically the free trial that you go up to level eight. This was a couple of weeks after the game had launched. And did you think during the demo that you would get into Destiny as, as much as you have? I had no idea how deep the game even was. I had no idea that raids were even a thing. It was just an enjoyable game that had like fun shooting, neat abilities and different things coming from COD. It was just a nice evolution. I had no clue if I was going to stick around with it for a while, if I was just going to do like one playthrough of it. I didn't even know exactly like what type of game it was if it was more focused on like the building where it is now or if it was more story focused game and salt what about you how how did you get your start in in destiny so i if i remember correctly i played the beta on xbox 360 so before the game came out um then i started playing the actual game on xbox one uh, around three or two weeks after the full game came out because I bought an Xbox One uh, with the bundle with Destiny. So I didn't even really plan on buying Destiny, but I bought this Xbox and Destiny came with it. I was like, eh, the beta was cool, so I mean, I'll try it. <laughs> and yeah, after that, I always stick uh, with the game. Then I, I joined Elysium when I swapped to PC the moment Bungie had the cross save, so it was right before Shadowkeep. Yeah, like one month before Shadowkeep. Because I wanted to take raiding more seriously and on console. I just didn't have a team. And there are not many serious teams on console, obviously. The good old days of the Xbox 360. Now, I'm curious, because you had an Xbox, were you, were you a Halo fan? I played the campaign in a couple of them. I don't exactly remember which ones because I was like... Like when Destiny came out, I was 14 years old. So like when I played Aloy, I was even younger, so I'm not sure. I think I played Aloy Reach for sure. I did the legendary campaign. I don't remember exactly. Though. I never played the multiplayer much. Yeah, I loved Halo Reach. Halo Reach was such a great game. That's actually the game that got me into the Halo franchise. Because after that, I started to discover other past halo games like halo 3 and halo 2 master chief collection was pretty fun i still have to go through the whole thing uh but i i had some really fond memories of of the halo days and that really inspired me to continue with bungie and to discover destiny and the rest was history and now i'm curious vile how about you how how'd you in in destiny 
Yeah, um, so I'm similar to Kairos where I didn't play uh, D1. I remember when it like was finally announced, uh, I was already moving from like console gaming into PC gaming, so I was a little hesitant on committing to anything, so I waited for the IGN reviews to come out, and the IGN reviews were not great for Destiny when it first came out since like nobody knew what kind of game it was or what to expect, so I pretty much like shrugged it off and said whatever, um, and never touched D1. So fast forwarding to when the D2 beta came out, I heard it was on PC and I was thinking like, oh, hey, this game has always like looked kind of cool just from the little bit that I've seen. So I'll try it out. Um, so I tried it out and uh, it felt really good. Like the gunplay, the movement, everything was really fun. Um, and I had just like, I think we we're finishing like the last FPS game I played was probably Black Ops 3, um, which I played a lot of. Uh, and so had a similar feel to that, um, obviously more ability based, but yeah, it kind of got me into it. So me and a group of friends, when it finally came out, decided to get into the game, uh, which I initially like pretty much only played for PVP. Like I did not care about the PVE stuff at all. It was just, you know, a way to get the weapons. Um, but then eventually like my friends are telling me about the Leviathan raid or whatever that came out and saying like, yo, I just got launched on PC. Like we should try and look into it. And I was like, okay, whatever. Um, but I had class that day. So there was another six of them that were doing it. Um, and when I got home from my classes, one of the six had to leave and they were already on the boss. So they asked if I could join. I was like, you know, sure. I'm not doing anything. I can join up and finish it out with you guys. Uh, and we, I don't remember how long it took, but a little bit after that, we ended up getting the clear and I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. Like this is an awesome experience. Um, I kind of fell in love with raiding after that. I like wanted to do all three every week, try to get all the loot. Uh, I remember like chasing Sins of the Past, which is the rocket from the Levy raid. It took me, I think it was like 20 some clears before I finally got it to drop, which at the time for me, that was like a lot, <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, that kind of got me hooked. And then uh, once Curse of Osiris came out, a lot of my IRL friends didn't really care to keep playing the game. Uh, they kind of moved on to different things, but I loved it. Um, so that's when I fell more into like the LFG world. Uh, I remember I started with um, a subreddit, <laughs> which is r slash fire teams, I think is what it was. And I would just always post that. on there getting people. Yeah, right. Um, so I had always post on there to find people. And eventually I found a group of um, other PvP players that like I got along with. Um, so I stuck with them for a while. Um, probably about halfway-ish or three-fourths through year two. Uh, and then I decided, like, I'm not really caring for PvP anymore. It's just not scratching the same itch that it used to. But, you know, I, am like, have fallen in love with raiding over this time. Um, so I started to search around for a more Pv PvE-focused clan, and that's when I found Elysium. Um, so I joined that then. And, yeah, I've just been with with them since and <laughs> i've just been taking rating more and more seriously and getting really into the pve game so and i i think that it's so great that you all have a group where you have that level of chemistry and you know you're you're friends and i think playing with friends is so important too because you develop that relationship where you can you can have that level of coordination that I feel like you don't get with random players, but you do when you have group that, you know, you, you trust each other to support each other through the different challenges that you have to overcome. Yeah. So what was your first raid experience like for, for the first raid that you ever attempted in Destiny 2? 
what would y'all say it was for you uh and Vile, do you want to kick things off uh yeah sure like i mentioned like my first rating experience was that levy and it was only the final boss where they have figured out 90 percent of it already <laughs> um so i kind of jumped in without really knowing what was going on they pretty much just told me hey if you get teleported in it just read you know a symbol off this guy's forehead and that's all you really need to do i said okay um so i just listened to them did what i was told and like eventually got through it um so that was my first experience but after that, I was like eager to learn how everything worked. Um, so I like spent a lot of time to like fully understand all the parts of the raid and yeah, fully fell in love with it. So my first raid was a bug, I think around two or three months after uh, Destiny 1 released. So I didn't raid like right away when the raid came out. I didn't have people to do it with. And yeah, I remember one day I actually had five, like six, fr five friends online. And it was like, oh, that's an occasion, and we went in. I don't remember if we cleared first try, but we, we did clear shortly after, for sure. And, and Quaz, what about you? Yeah, I mentioned before, just LFGing for that original D1 VOG in the tower of just inviting random people to the fire team, and then having one guy kind of coach us through. Did you bring in your Gallarhorn? Did you have a Gallarhorn when you went in? No, I guarantee you I didn't even know what the weapon was at the time. That was shortly after... Probably did some strikes with my cousin. Then we're like, hey, there's this. He probably just told me there's this neat activity. Do you want to go try it? We just need to get some people and probably just sit sure and went along with it. Definitely did not know much about the game at the time. I, know, I remember I had people suggest us to use Galar, and I was like, oh, there is no way it's that good. We should use the other Void Exotic Rocket. And I was suggesting everyone to use the Void Exotic uh, Truth because I didn't know Galar was so good. <laughs> I suppose the, the truth was better because the Minotaurs had void shields. Yeah, I remember me and Shadow Price, we got into the raid for the first time. I mean, I still remember the the Praetorian area, that, that first area in the raid, and it was like such a surreal experience going into anything that has, you know, a team of six going in. And you had to do something pretty, pretty challenging. At that time, for us, it was pretty challenging because we were very much underleveled and didn't really have the Crappy proper weapons, weapons that you would had want. Yeah, had like green and blue weapons. Well, blue weapons, actually, I think. I think I had one legendary and the rest were blue. So, Yeah, I think we were very much Forever 28 with our RNG. Also, we, we did not level up much. Uh, for quite some time until RNG decided to get a little bit more, you know, in yeah, our favor. Took, I think it took two months for me to get the helmet, like, to drop for me, so. <laughs> yeah, I remember I got pretty lucky where I didn't have to go in without anything. Uh, I had the Suros regime because that was the first exotic that dropped for me, and it was, like, in the first week. So that was pretty much the weapon that I had to go in with. It didn't have Oracle Disruptor or anything like that. So, you know, I could only do so much with it. Yeah, I remember when you had to, like, level up your armor with Ascendant Shards and stuff yep. like that. Yep. The good old days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and Kairos, what was your first raid experience like? Uh can't remember which raid it either have to be leviathan or scourge of the past 
by I was invited to a server by a couple guys in I think from EU and they would kind of just teach me how to raid. They were basically my teachers at the start. And I think from there they kind of taught me to do all the raids and later on I just went on to do the rest of the raids by myself. You left you. And and Cruz, what about you? I had raid experience um from Vogue on, but I never did a day one until Eater, which was my first completion of one. I always did them like a week after so I could kind of like level up a bit more because I never really committed so much time to the grind. So I, I wasn't necessarily like really day one prepped. Um, and when Destiny 2 came out, I was like, I need to play this game on PC. I'm not going to waste the money to buy it on console and then want to have to immediately play it on PC. So for Levy, I waited. So I didn't get really a day one experience. I mean, everyone already knew how to do everything. So I think I played it like the day or day after or something that it released for PC. Um, and there was a guy who like knew how to do everything. My My biggest memory of that raid is using tractor cannon because it was my only high level power weapon to kill bathers and this was when it literally could only boop and did like a quarter of the damage of a normal shotgun so i was playing it on extra hard mode that day um but yeah then when once eater came out that was like my first like i'll say like real day one experience um (laughs) i had work that night so i couldn't really like i didn't know how long it would have taken in hindsight, I think I would have had time to clear the raid um, before work because it was in the evening. But I, I just posted on LFG looking for like five other uh, five others who didn't know anything and eventually just kind of got through it. It was it's super easy, but that was like my full first blind experience of a raid. And I, I found it interesting how you you missed the day one, but you were still able to get in and, and and get it done with with your groups that that's really cool yeah i kind of throughout like d1 i had like i think i was initially i had like this i don't i wouldn't call them a clan but it was like this sort of group of friends that i kind of got in into with like i was never super close with them but i was doing nightfalls with them and we did vog a bit we i don't even think we completed it to like the fourth day we tried um just because all of our power was super low. And then kind of throughout D1, I had like a bit of LFG time, a bit of clan time. And this was kind of like back when a lot of the clans were very, I'll say COD-esque. They'd have their website and everyone would have to change their gamer tag. And it was, it's honestly super cringy. I literally did have to change my gamer tag just to be in the clan. Um, So $10 to join the clan. That was pretty sick. Um, those are just sort of my D1 experiences. They weren't really that that great. Um, but I wanted to play with decent players, and I felt like that was the only way I consistently play with them. Granted, in hindsight, I don't think they were very good. Oh my god, I remember when they wanted me to change my gamer tag too when we were playing. I think Call of Duty Ghosts and yeah, stuff. Like, that rem- yeah, it made me think of like MW Three Days of like everyone having the same tag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, had to do what you had to do. I I didn't I didn't change mine because uh, mine was like Morning Woodrow, and it was like you know from like Beavis and Butthead, 
So it, it, it kind of like, and I met Mike Judge, so it was kind of like sentimental value. Like I, I didn't want to change my name. <laughs> yeah, that so, that gamer tag was pretty epic and legendary. I'm pretty legendary. I'm disappointed yeah. because you've gone through some, you know, name changes quite a few times, and you know, I think it, the legend of Morning Woodrow still lives on today. It lives on somewhere. Yeah, it, it does on some platform somewhere out there, but. Uh, Maybe mm-hmm. we'll we'll talk about that. Maybe there might be a revival sometime in the future. But it's Maybe. it's interesting you mentioned, you know, changing your gamer tags because I actually did too. It was back in Call of Duty and it was because of a clan also. We were doing clan wars and I was pretty mm-hmm. active and they were like, You need to change your gamer tag and I'm like, I don't wanna do it because it's ten dollars and I don't wanna pay ten dollars for changing my gamer tag. I just didn't really understand why, you know, but I still did it. And um, one for the team. We had, we had some fun. We had some fun, but um, I think I still have that gamer tag to this day. So, but I don't really play on Xbox that much, not any longer. I think I played like Elden Ring on there uh, because somehow I I don't know why, but I bought Elden Ring for Xbox. But we're not going to talk about Elden Ring tonight. So we have a question from our community member, Raven, on Twitter. Thank you for your question. And Raven wants to know, what is your thought process going through the past three raid races? I guess I can kick it off then. So typically my thought process on a raid release is that we want to see what are the best options, what has changed, how can we adapt to every different scenario. Like for Val, we had to adjust team comps, or not really, but we had to find out how good was Void 2 or 3.0 and see if we could apply it to the day one. And I think it didn't really change much. Bubble got changed from 35% to 25%. And we did have a discussion about whether we wanted to use Lumina or not, but I think it kind of just fell through. And I think generally we like to theorycraft a lot of things. We um, what's the word? We like to synchronize all our builds so that we're all on the same page and we have a lot of discussions and a lot of communications beforehand about what our strategy is going to be going in. And that's pretty much everything on that I want to say on. Uh, it may be a boring answer, but we honestly don't necessarily do too much um, in terms of prepping. We'll, of course, have discussions and for the reprise raids, talk about what we believe like the challenges could be. Um, but it's all just assuming how we're comparing like the D1 version to what we believe the D2 version could be, because obviously we don't know if the D2 version has significant changes or not, um, at least for the reprise raids. Uh, of course, having like all what we believe to be the most meta things ready. Um, We'll do some testing before if we feel we need it. But I think after VOG, like VOG, we probably had the most prep for because it was like the new reprise raid. We didn't know what to expect. Uh, but really, it was just about like going in confidently, you know, like believing in our ability. And then after getting the first worlds first, it's a lot easier to have belief in yourself. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned something interesting, and, and it's the idea of going into a raid. For the first time blind where you haven't played that raid experience ever versus a raid like King's Fall 
as an example where we've been through it. We've done it in Destiny 1. We've, we've had a chance to go through the raid. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. So it's a little bit of a different dynamic, but you know, you still wonder like what changes they could have brought about into the raid that that changed things. It could definitely change more than Vogue though. It it wasn't crazy changes, but like Vogue was the one that mostly remained the same. Entrance conflicts were exactly the same, apart from maybe adding wyverns. Well, in King's Fall, every encounter at least got shaked up a bit. Now, would you say that it was more fun in D1 or D2? D2, 100%. Both of the reprised raids are 100% more fun in D2 than they are their original versions in D1. They were able to fix or improve on a lot of the things that were perceived to be poor or not as fun. For example, like Confluxes in D1 used to take forever. While it's still not exactly like mechanically difficult, they shortened it down and just increased the add density, which is nice. And then made, say, uh, Sisters and Oryx and King's Fall a lot more interactive rather than you hop on plates once. You have to constantly get on and off and communicate that. Yeah, I especially really love that Golgoroth encounter. And maybe I'm a little biased because I really love the music in that raid. In that specific encounter, I should say. But... I find it more fun where, you know, you, you get to like shoot the orbs up top and then you, you go from one to the next. I find that more fun as an as a overall encounter uh, for for Golgoroth and, and definitely the final two encounters, I think, were m- much more fun on on PC than it was on consoles, especially jumping for me. <laughs> Uh, Shadow Press can attest in Destiny 1, I, I didn't do a whole lot of jumping uh, and in Destiny 2, I'm far more comfortable with all of the different encounters. Yeah, I like how it randomly tears, you know, someone. So it like it, it's more interactive, you know, it, it gets more people involved with it instead of just like choosing a person to be torn and, you know, things like that. So. Yeah, I like it too. I, I I like I think I like the versions probably better too in D two. 
uh what's the question i'm answering I, I know that we got a little sidetracked there like which quite or which rate i like we're going in better, so what was your what was your thought process going through the day oh, okay, one yeah, yeah. world's first so i mean mine was a little different than these guys because um i was the new member on the team for this world's first um so this was the first one i've ever gotten whereas this is their third one um so obviously we have all known each other for a long time um but i tried not to step on too many toes here you know these guys kind of knew what they were doing when it came to prep work so you know i'd listen put my input in but whatever you know they kind of decided as a group this would be best uh, and you know i don't have any major disagreements with anything that they say so for the most part i just went with it um and then yeah as for prep work like cruz said there's not a ton we do like that first week especially this time since we only have one week there's kind of a scramble to like figure out if any of the um you know new weapons that came out in the season are going to be super meta and if we need to grind them out before the raid launches and you know getting our artifact levels um up so in case any artifact mods are broken or like too strong then we have those available but you know there's like six months of you know prep time between each of these raids and like we all play the game like pretty regularly so we just kind of make sure that we have all of the mods unlocked you know we have a general idea what the metas are um and you know have every weapon that we see ever being like you know usable ready to go um well before the raid is even launched so yeah and you mentioned something interesting that's the the preparation and i think that's kind of an important aspect of going in and, and having all your weapons and, and mods ready to go and, and having your builds where you know the strategy that you're going in with some degree. So I'm, I'm curious, how do you prepare for a day one raid? Like what would you all recommend as far as your strategies to prepare for something like a day one? I think it's heavily dependent on if um it's a reprise raid or not because if it's a reprise raid you have a good idea of what's coming and you can be a lot more okay we're planning on using this for opening this for totems and this for bosses but if it's a brand new raid like say vow you kind of have to take more educated guesses on what you think the raid will be like when it starts what you think will be useful like and it's a lot more guesswork for just general good weapons so you might want a bit of ad clear you might want a bit of like just major damage but you still want good survivability versus a boss encounter you might just want straight damage and sacrifice a bit of survivability it's a it's definitely an interesting call out because yeah there's there's it's a different dynamic going into a raid that you've never done versus a raid that you've experienced in the past so you have more of an idea of what to expect and cruz what about yourself like how how would you prepare for something like a day one i know you're you're not a newbie on the block you're a veteran so how how do you prep for a day one i think preparation and like our general thought process kind of overlaps a lot um because it's nothing really too complicated <laughs> it's probably not like the the cool answer but it's the real answer once you kind of have the meta weapons that you believe you're going to end up using, so farming out like a Rage Regret with triple firing line, you know, something like that, or having a cataclysmic, um, you know, ready to go, high power, um, forbearance, et cetera, et cetera, like the best weapons in the game, and then what you think you're going to be using in the raid 
from like a class aspect. So like, am I going to start out with just like a void Titan build? Because generally that's going to be good for pretty much everything. And then, okay, we're in a boss encounter or we're going stasis. I'll switch to like a shards font build. Um, that way we can have like higher damage output. And usually I don't need like the, the survivability of void compared to solar, for example. Um, so it's, theory crafting what you think you're going to be needing having your team on the same page and then putting in the time to get the weapons you know of course there's going to be new ones that kind of define the meta a little bit i don't necessarily think the um it's because like the div linear meta we have right now there isn't too much versatility you could easily just craft a taipan and just have enough damage you don't necessarily need to build up with font but if you're going to go for like a genuine like world's first push, then you're trying to buff stack as much as possible because for any damage base encounter, like that damage output is going to make, you know, the, the phases might be less or just like the cushion you're giving yourself for a final phase is going to be easier. And so long as you can execute the, the mid fight before the boss, then it makes things so much easier. Um, I think that's my answer. It's really just be prepared in the gear department. I think that's the biggest thing. That's great advice. And do you have a favorite app to help make managing your armor and builds a little bit easier? I mean, D2 Armor Picker is kind of the goat in terms of creating builds. I know Dim can do it too. I don't know. Maybe Ishtar can. I don't really use Ishtar Collective at all. Um, but D2 Armor Picker just is super easy to, in terms of armor, to set up the right stat distribution that you think you're going to need. Granted, I don't, it's not really that big of a deal. It's not like running um, 10 more discipline is going to make or break your day. Even 10 more resilience isn't really going to be that big of a difference. But ultimately, the two biggest stats in the game right now are discipline and reso. So getting a build with, 100 in both of those and then as much recovery and you're chilling you can literally run any build and as long as those three stats are emphasized all you really have to do now is just pick weapons and mods that fit your build that you're kind of going for but again I, it's not it's not defining by having like 10 less resil you're not going to necessarily not be able to complete, um, I don't know, Caretaker, for example, in Vow. That's way more on your team's ex execution as a whole in regards to day ones. But pretty much just go from D2 Armor Picker, make your builds and your armor, stuff like that, then move it over to Dim, and you can fine-tune um, maybe the mods you're using or the weapons you're going to combine with it. That's pretty solid advice. And, you know, I, I think oftentimes we maybe even overthink it. I know I do. I overthink it. All Definitely. The time. I think I think the Destiny community generally overthinks a lot of things, even in regards to the meta. Like. Destiny, as much as we'd love it, maybe did not be. It's a pretty simplest, uh, simplistic. RPG element of game, you know, like FPS is definitely the first thing. And then after that, like the build side of things while it's nice that it's in the game and it's kind of getting a little bit deeper it still comes down to how you play the fps more importantly and what about for you um salt 
how would you say that you best prepare for day one? Do you have anything else that you would do? I mean, I feel like they pretty much uh, said everything that's, that needs to be said. You just prepare your builds a couple of days before according to what the meta is. If the meta shifted, you try to bring all the weapons that you think could be used. Like You can keep some weapons for red clear, some weapons for boss damage. You can have an eager edge sword if you want to like skate jumping puzzles. It's like, yeah, it's, it's really like very simple. And yeah, this, oh, this whole aspect gets amplified when it's a reprise raid because you know exactly what you're going to be using for every encounter for the most part. Well, on newer raids, you kind of just have to guess. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So we have a question from Spirit of Destiny. Thank you for your question. And this is a fun one. Chamberger or Taco Bell? Which one is better for a day one raid? Who wants to take it first? Well, I don't even know what the other option is. So I'm going with Taco Bell. Yeah, I don't know what a Chamberger is. So I'm going with Taco Bell. (laughs) I know Taco Bell. Well, let's say Taco Bell or... What's a good burger place? Um, hmm. Five Guys is pretty good. Five Guys, yeah. Five Guys is pretty, pretty, pretty good. So Five Guys or Taco Bell, what, what would y'all say? I'd go Taco Bell still. Five Guys is better, but it's like the burgers are so big and like messy. <laughs> At least Taco Bell are like small individual items. So it's probably better for a day one than a big messy burger. Gonna have to go with Taco Bell because we don't have five guys up here. Well, that's a shame. <laughs> Make a five guys yeah. any day, but that's expensive. That's what I, I was insane. thinking. I was like, oh man, <laughs> the price aspect. Uh, I think I'd say Taco Bell just from that aspect, but I think yeah. I'd get sick from eating too much of either. I, I'm Italian, so neither of the two are here, so I guess. You don't even have either. So, Salt, so what, what would you do for your day one raid? Food prep. I mean, I ironically don't think it's going to take that long, so I try to just not eat so that I don't have to go to the bathroom or anything. Like, even if it, it sounds dumb, but like, it's better to just not eat if you know it's going to be like only four hours. <laughs> Got it. So, salt is just like, I'm just going to fast. I'm not going to eat. I, mean, We're I can get a snack, me. like, you know, just a quick snack, though, like nothing. Yeah. Me and Corn, we know what we get on a, a day one, right? We get we get some sushi. Yep. <laughs> you get you get sushi because you know it's uh portable. You can it's it's kind of like finger. Not too food. messy. Mm-hmm. It's not messy. Yeah, I like the burger fan in me wants to say let's have a burger and fries, but like it's kind of messy, especially with a greasy burger from Five Guys. Their burgers are quite greasy and, and messy. So, yeah, I would probably have to say Taco Bell, although the one thing about Taco Bell is that it, it makes me use the restroom on, at a greater frequency. I don't know what it is about Taco Bell, but uh, generally that doesn't really work too well, although it's more portable for sure as far as food goes. And sometimes you just want Taco Bell. Sometimes I just want a quesadilla, you know. Or a chalupa. Or Chalupa, yeah. I like that too. So we we have another question from La Phantom Ass. What a great name. And La Phantom <laughs> Ass wants to know, 
Ask the team if they think D2 PvE is a competitive game. Is D2 a competitive game for PvE, Cruz? What do you think? Is it like, would you classify just like end game or is it specifically just like the world's first? Because I think the world's first has some competitive aspect to it. But I mean, the game as a whole is definitely not competitive. I, I definitely feel you there. We, we kind of real quick, we just kind of like as a result of the belts and a leaderboard on raid report that breeds competition without either of those two things people are playing for fun on the day ones you know i i think you you hit something really important and the one aspect of the game that i wish destiny had was an in-game competitive leaderboard where it was more integrated into the game and into your character stats versus like having to go to a third party website. So that's the one thing that I wish they kind of did a little bit more of, right? Yeah, it'd be cool if there was something in tower, like like a board up there. And we've talked about it before, but if there was like an area where it showed like the names of every person on a world's first team or something like that just to have something in game that's tangible because like the world's first team doesn't get like an emblem or anything it's just the belt while like obviously we're all super stoked with getting like a belt if there was like an emblem or just something tied to the universe of destiny that we were like a part of i think that would like i don't think it's that much to add while also giving us a lot more satisfaction from it but I don't want to make that sound super like, oh, we deserve more type. You know, it's, it's like, just recognition. It's good recognition. And, you know, it just shows your personal accomplishments. You know, it's like it's it, I think it would be a really cool thing to have. And, you know, I think I think it's possible because if you remember back when Destiny 2 first came out, the intro cutscene that we got was a commemoration of every raid that you did. And it showed you on the screen which team you actually played with so there is yeah, the very first raid do that each yeah <laughs> each raid it showed you which team you you played with that was pretty cool now it's so special like i i really miss that yeah i personally really enjoyed the aspect of bungie celebrating things like your first raid i, I think that is very special so I do hope that with Lightfall, one of the quality of life change that they introduce, besides just an in-game looking for groups, but to be able to better commemorate and celebrate your guardian and, and the achievements that you accomplish, especially during an activity like a raid, because to me, that's the pinnacle of your experience in PvE as a Destiny player. And now for for Quaz, what do you think? Do you think that Destiny Two PVE is is competitive, or do you think that I know, like a lot of Cruz's sentiments are like inherently it's not competitive, but there are like competitive moments like the world's first races, or even like races of specific low mans like say the race to world's first Solo Atheon, where there was like three to four players that were 
very close neck and neck and it was seeing about who was going to kill him first. Absolutely. You know what would be cool? It's if like they invited like all the world's best teams and you know to like a place and then just kind of like kind of like in the old days where they had the video game competitions and stuff and like do a raid like live like a world's first. I think that would be super cool. The issue with that is that you don't give players that aren't known the chance of like competing at that point, unless you create a circuit for people to qualify. Like, if that's how raid worked, we would have never got the word first, you know, because we weren't known. <laughs> for example, it, it just would add such an interesting element, though. I feel like, you know, to the and then like actual prize money would be like you know because they like gave prize money back in the day, like. The Nintendo World Championships, like $50,000 or something to the winner or whatever. Yeah, obviously it'd be more because of a raid team, like say like $250,000 or something like that. I think that's a really interesting point because, you know, and while I don't know if this would necessarily work for day one, because I think the travel logistics of going to a specific location and... I'm sure some people would not have the opportunity to pers- to participate, but imagine if they had uh, different events that they do maybe twice a year where they bring the best players in the world like yourselves and they have different competitions, whether it be at uh, GCX or whether they invite people to visit Bungie and participate in these live almost like uh land party experiences where you where you compete with other players i think that would be fun i think it'd be truly competitive like you know like everybody like you know like say you got like 10 teams or something like competing all at once and stuff like the best in the world you know i'm I'm curious beyond just the day one experience right what can bungie do to make the PVE experience more competitive for you as guardians, for you as players who enjoy doing the most difficult activities in the game and who can do those activities, what would make the experience more competitive for you? I mean, it's hard to define competitive, but to me, something it's more competitive the most we have an even playing field. Which Destiny doesn't really do because we, you have weapons with random rods. Everyone is gonna have different weapons, different armor. So it's not, it's not the same for everyone, right? I may have a worse armor than someone else, even if I played more than him. Uh, that said, though, those things are usually pretty minimal, and they're also kind of like minimized by exotic having uh, static rods, crafted weapons being craftable. Something they should do though, if they want, like end game to be more meaningful outside of day ones is definitely make contest a permanent option and not have master raids be the way they are because they literally mean nothing the way they are because you have people that leave their pc on uh, for two weeks in the moon and then they play master raids like they are a patrol zone so it's like it kind of like removes the accomplishment even for the people that do it while being under leveled because you know other people that are clearing it in, a, in such an easy way so that's definitely the first step they should take so they remove artifact level from the game but you at least make the damage output and damage received an even playing field for the players which i think is one of the most important things 
There you go. That's that's actually a really good idea. Like having Contos mode, like you know, being active you know, at all times. If you wanted to, you know, have that level of challenge and everything, I think that would be, that would be really cool. Why do you all think they haven't done that? Because I mean, it's not like the code isn't in the game where they can maintain that level of experience for players. Do you all think it's because of? a lack of demand for it or what do you think is the the root cause for them not to continue doing contest mode after day one it's definitely not a lack of demand because pretty much everyone demands for an option for it i just think it's unfortunately a bad decision like because they they probably think that incentivizing people to either afk farm or doing bounties 20 hours a day makes more people play but i don't think that actually works in the long run like the people that actually level so much aren't so many and i think they would have so many more people play the game if it was more accessible even to players that just want a challenge without having to play 20 hours a day so i just don't think it's a good decision unfortunately unless there is a technical limitation of some sort i just think it's a bad call but they have never spoken on it so uh, hard to tell really I think it kind of comes down to like two factors and unfortunately one of them is kind of due to the fact that the artifact exists and I think Bungie wants it to incentivize people to continue playing the game as a way to boost their you know their player base numbers and stuff like that and oh if you want to do master raids you're gonna have to play the game consistently it's not necessarily about making it hard but about requiring people who do want to commit to this end game and quotations activity that you're going to have to put in the time for it. And for us, obviously that's super boring because like the challenge is, is when you're under power. Um, but they, they need players to play it, you know, and, and then they want to incentivize um, a difficult activity that is more accessible which is sort of strange to think about, but I mean, the only thing that really has a power lock is GMs outside of day ones. What if they had like a limited loadout or something option too, like where you could only use certain weapons or something like that? Um, the, the issue with that is that like, unless Bungie picks things that are actually usable, then the players just get screwed out of weeks. And that's kind of what happened with the old levy system where it's like, there might be weeks where it's just, super hard and you have to kill Valkor with arc striders because i can't use this weapon type to kill him um and the the power balance whether that be like literally like our character's power or literally the power slot um our damage options aren't close enough you can't compare a sword to a buffed linear like the linear destroys the sword and same goes for like if you were to use like a rocket straight up like without the g horn buff it's 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 not even comparable so on a week they do that your master raid you're minus 20 because you didn't farm out levels now you also have a garbage like loadout it's like that's nobody wants to play that that's not fun and bungie just still needs to keep it fun yeah i see i also don't think that would solve the core issue like of the leveling 
think the other right, issue with like forcing loadouts upon people is that part of the enjoyment of destiny is that you get to use what you want even if it is like slightly not optimal but whereas they force you to use stuff it's part of the reason why people are always complaining about the champion mods because people aren't happy having to use sidearm unstop they want to be able to use hand cannon pulse rifle scout rifle etc to do that job but they're pigeonholed into running one weapon type which they potentially might not like just because the mods make you do so and one thing that i think um could be a potential consideration here is the fact that i remember a time when the level of completions that raids were played wasn't that high in terms of the overall player base so one of the challenges that i think bungie had to overcome is how do we get more people to play the raid how do we make it more accessible and there becomes you know a fine balance like where do we draw the line between making the game more difficult for players and making it more accessible to people who may not be very hardcore at the game or be able to do certain things like a day one clear um and i'm wondering if the answer could be by either making a very specific seal for players who do want that level of challenge or maybe even taking some ornaments or some cosmetics that you would get if you did play the more difficult version of the game to give you that extra layer of incentive for the players who do want to be challenged in that higher tier raid activity. I mean, I think cosmetics are the way to go. You are never going to please everyone if you put specific weapons or loot behind an art activity. You're always going to have a big... Uh, out of the community complaining about that so if you want to do art activities and you want to put rewards behind it it probably has to be cosmetics it's the only sustainable way also for pvp reason you can't have like a, a super powerful weapon in pvp tied behind a hard pv activity because literally everyone is going to complain I mean, I was going to say to that point, we literally saw it before with Not Forgotten, right? Being the, pretty much the meta for a while in year two, but being locked behind 5,500. It's like, sure, there was Luna's How, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't as good as Not Forgotten. And, you know, there was so, so much complaining about that alone. You also have the entire PvE meta of year two being Mountaintop Recluse, despite those both being PvP weapons to obtain them. Mm -hmm. I remember that. I remember when when you know you essentially had to get you know recluse and it was during um I want to say crown of sorrow when it would just be extremely difficult if you didn't have those two uh crucible weapons between the recluse and mountaintop and I think there were some lessons to be learned from that because a lot of players resorted to having friends help them do it Right. So so you saw a level of recovery is being done in order to allow for more people to be able to get those weapons that you needed for PVE activities or otherwise. I remember even like going on LFG, it would be really difficult to find groups if you didn't have Mountaintop. They would say, hey, have Mountaintop or Recluse or you don't have a team. Yeah, that was like pre nerfed anarchy, too, I think as well. Yeah. And we do have another question from Levy. Thank you for your question, Levy. And Levy wants to know, uh, what are your thoughts on the 
Dran subclass. Are you excited for it? Do you think it's going to make the game more fun going to Lightfall? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Uh, I guess I can give my two cents first. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just based off of what I've seen fo- so far, I don't think it looks like insanely crazy or OP or anything, but I will say it looks incredibly fun to use. Uh, so I am pretty excited for it to come out in that aspect. Um, and, you know, it's hard to say whether something's going to be like actually good for the game or not before you actually can play with it because, you know, even if something is bad on paper, if it has insane numbers, it doesn't matter. And the numbers will take over, right? Um, but yeah, that looks, looks really fun. Absolutely. Yeah, some classes are always good for the game. Like they're such a breath of fresh air. So I'm always excited for them. Uh, yeah, I don't know if the grappling hook will, I, I really hope it will feel cool. I'm just not so sure because there are so many crazy movement abilities in the game right now. That I don't want it to be overshadowed by other things, but we will see what they do. Also, because the grappling hook will take your grenade charge, so it's gonna be a like a big trade-off you know, need to make. Pretty sure they said that. About that. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, the subclasses all look cool. I'm kinda not too happy that the Titan one is a subclass that let's say spins like burning mole. Because Burning Mole does not function in the game. Like, it, it makes you teleport, doesn't do damage. I just hope it's not the same thing, because it just doesn't really work with this game's netcode. I just want some more ranged Titan things. Everything is yeah. punch this, punch that. It's so boring. Yeah, we, I, I feel like bar supers are way cooler than roaming supers. At, at least for PvE, because in PvE, you just you rarely use a roaming super. Like, you have to be forced to almost. Yeah. They all need, like, a massive buff. Or add clear, probably. (laughs) I don't even know if a buff to add clear would help because there's often just like one chunk of ads that you want to kill. And the super can generally do that, but so do other weapons and things. Mm -hmm. So you don't generally need your super to clear ads. So even if you were to buff the super to clear ads better, you're still left with weapons do the same job and it doesn't cost your super. I wonder if they should make them good enough that you can DPS bosses with it. I don't know. That would be I don't think you... Pro. You just I don't, don't want them to become the meta again of, for example, yeah, Rock, who were with six Arc Striders. I don't think they want to return to that meta where you need to run one character or you're hurting your DPS. I mean, probably not to that extent, but maybe like using a super is, I don't know, 80% of the output of linear. So if you're out of ammo, you can resort to that. That could be cool, maybe. Because right now they're just so bad.
Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And, you know, one thing that I found really interesting about the Strand subclass, especially for the Hunter character, is the ability to travel at in a way that we weren't ever able to before, where the game very much feels more like you're Spider-Man, right? And I'm wondering what kind of experiences Bungie can bring giving us that ability. Like during a raid, for example, could it potentially be that it's going to require as a hunter for you to travel a greater distance in order to activate a specific boss encounter? I think there leaves opportunities in order to create for different experiences that we haven't had before. And I'm quite excited about that. I don't think they can do that for a raid because they never want to pigeonhole you into having to run something specific. Especially something that's paid. Yeah. Um, that, that does make sense, yeah. Also, just like how they're going to design or like, I don't know, I feel like the grappling hook's just going to break old things. Like for King's Fall, like the orb spawns above one of the plates. Are you just going to grapple hook up to it? Bam, done. Don't need to do plates at all. So I think it, Adding it into the game generally is going to be super fun. And I don't think like the effectiveness of it in a combat scenario is going to be great. But from a mechanic standpoint, I think it's probably going to break some things in the game. <laughs> As it naturally does. You know, yeah. when Mother Destiny releases anything new, we can expect certain things to be a little overpowered or broken. Um, but also Bungie is pretty good about disabling things right as we saw during king's fall they there were certain things that they found to be overly powered so i wouldn't even be surprised if maybe even strand wasn't active during for example day one but it might be available after after that experience is over I would say if that happens, like that is a huge blunder on their side. Like yeah, Strand is one of the biggest, like that is one of their biggest selling points of the new DLC. If they have to deactivate that entirely for the raid is, yeah, that just tells you something, something over there internally is not going right. And there's already other clues to that, but who knows? And now no confirmations. Don't don't assume that, you know, we're going to we're going to get that as a as a event. But uh, I, I think that it would be definitely an interesting conversation to be had if, if they do end up, you know, disabling something like that. But I agree. Strand is such a core part of the Lightfall experience, especially from their uh, Destiny 2 showcase that we got in August. Uh, so I, I think that it would be uh, a bit of a misstep if they disabled it because a lot of people in the community would not uh, fare well to that. So we have another question from Casey uh, Peaster. Thank you for your question. And Casey wants to know what makes a good raid in Destiny? What defines a good raid for you? Cruz, do you want to kick things off? Uh, sure. That's a tough answer or tough, tough question to answer for me because I think it's so um, dependent on what type of like meta we're in. Because um, I, I, for me, I think that does have a factor. If I look back into D1, 
you know, we were like, there are certain aspects of our characters that were like stronger for certain things, like sword spam. You could just constantly like heavy attack. Um, but I think movement and adding like a chaotic element is really important within raids because that adds a lot of a uniqueness between one clear and the next. I think that's why a lot of people liked Wrath back in the days, just because it wasn't so you're in this spot and you're always going to be in this spot until you beat that encounter. You know, you would, for example, in the Axis room, you'd rotate with the cannons and then you'd have the balls and you could kind of choose and have like certain people do some jobs. You could have uh certain like for the you'd have to throw the balls at like the little nanite spots um a little bit more like player freedom so i guess combined with that chaotic nature um makes it a lot more fun for me as a player um the other thing is bosses are fun to shoot at so anything that has more bosses i will enjoy more if i could have a raid with five bosses i would have a raid with five bosses Yeah, I think that made Wrath of the Machine definitely more fun. And and yeah, having more boss encounters definitely makes the game feel more complete. I think we learned that from uh, the raid layers, right? When when those were released as in-between uh, content drops where it, it felt like one or two boss fights, it just didn't really feel as complete of an experience. It almost felt like a slightly upgraded version of a nightfall. So what about for, for the rest of you? What what would make a good raid for, for you, Quaz? Thanks to that coming cruise's sentiment of bosses are generally the most fun encounters because they allow a lot more player control as to how they're done. Like you're able to choose what weapons you use for damage. You're able to choose who's doing what, whereas a lot of the other ones or like non-boss encounters just end up being time locked and don't allow for much variety. You always have to do like the same things. Your weapon choice can't be different or it can be different, but it doesn't really influence how quick things go. Having a specific loadout be much more effective than everything else, which which kind of. To me, it ruins the ability to customize and play the game how you want. So, for example, if let's say you're not a big linear fusion fan, but maybe you like rocket launchers to have the ability to make rocket launchers as effective as a linear that would make the game more fun and interesting where you can just come in with whatever you prefer to play with, you know, as long as you have a good role as an example. Insert Divinity Drama here. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like you're still forced to use like... Not forced to, but you should use meta weapons if you want the boss encounters to go quick. But just like how you, I don't know, how you can tackle them is that you can choose not to use meta stuff and the encounter will like at least go differently. Plus the skill expression feels a lot more fun when you're shooting your guns rather than, oh, I stepped on a plate slightly quicker. Also allows you to begin buff stacking and things naturally. Well, the limited buff stacking that does exist with say like Fawn and um, Warmind Cells and things. So I just thought about something because I remember a time when it wasn't fully intended to be this way, but you were able to go into a raid with a team of 12. How 
would that impact the overall experience? Would that make it more fun if they officially introduced the way for you to play with more than six players? I think it would be fun once or twice, but not as a consistent thing because they'd have to start developing stuff for 12 people, which I think it just becomes too much because you're still doing content meant for six people with 12 people. So you're going to have, say, four people doing mechanics and eight people just standing around not doing much. Yeah, that makes sense. See, I'm almost thinking about the special events that we had in a game like Anthem, if you remember Anthem, where you were able to go in with a larger group of people, but everybody had a very important role where it's like it had to be a more coordinated effort. Like imagine if some people had to, for example, travel to a different part of the map in order to activate something there for you to do damage. It might make the game a little bit more complicated, but I definitely think it would mix things up a little bit where it doesn't feel as zany. I almost feel like a lot of the raids that we get these days, I don't want to say they feel too to some degree. And now what about for you, Vile? What would make Destiny raids more fun for you? I mean, I think Cruz pretty much hit the nail on the head with me as well. I think any encounter that has, you know, well, first off, bosses. I think a, bo- a raid with like pure bosses would be the most fun thing for me personally. I enjoy those encounters a lot more. And then the movement aspect is like by far the most important thing for me is or following the boss part. <laughs> it, standing in plates or whatever is like, I don't know, fine for the first experience, but it gets really boring, really repetitive early on um when you're replaying the raid but like whenever teams are like split up and like forced to go run around to some things and then you know meet back together to do something at the end i think like two good examples are like goss second encounter or um deep stone atrax are both really good for that it just like i don't know it gives the the um the raid so much more replayability because it's like you know oh the first time i went over here and ran down this path Next time I'm going to go this other way and, you know, you don't know what your team on the other side is going to do. You have to think on the fly, be like, oh, we accidentally sent all of our warlocks to that side and now we don't have any here. Things like that. So I don't know. Whenever teams are split up, the encounters are movement based. And if there's a boss, then it's pretty much what makes a good encounter for me. And on a slightly different topic, who inspired you to get into Destiny or what inspired you to get into destiny and uh vile do you want to kick things off uh sure so i guess nobody like inspired me to get into destiny per se i kind of like just saw the game i was like oh it's cool um as for like the more hard kind of um rating i will actually say i was like and like low manning and stuff i was actually heavily inspired by glad or whatever uh, i remember very Particularly, there was one day where me and a friend were um, studying for some exam. I don't remember what the exam was um, on our couch. And I just like pulled up Glad's stream on the TV or whatever, just to have some background noise or whatever. He was doing his back to back to back to back solo raid boss challenge in D1. And like it took him hours to finish it. And like, I think, you know, a couple hours in. My roommate's like, bro, are we still watching this? He's all like, he's been doing the same boss forever. I was like, what are you talking about? This is so cool. Like, why would we turn it off? 
Um, yeah, so I just remember that. That's kind of what inspired me to like get into the more hard end or hardcore end of the PVE side of things. That to say, at least for me, uh, Glad was also an inspiration to me because I don't know. I just find it so fun to watch his two man crown with Chevy, and I'm not gonna lie, his attitude and personality is really is really funny. Like at the time, I thought it was really fun, and I wanted to for sure do that at some point with a group of friends. I think Glad was an inspiration for many in the community helped a lot of new players rise up like i mean clan elysium as an example um i know that guardians like glad and, and chevy they they definitely inspired a, a good portion of our community here and were there anyone were there any other individuals for you all who played a role in, in your desire to attempt day ones and to challenge yourself in a greater way. Probably For say, me. oh, you can go. <laughs> no. I'd probably say goth because the first uh, day one experience that I like ever watched and then did was for King's Fall. So I was able to watch a bit while I think I was at school at the time, watch them fight their way through. So they got worlds first. I'm like, oh, this is pretty neat. Went home, tried it with some D1 clan mates, and we couldn't even get past totems. And it's like, these guys are actually good at the game. They know what they're doing. We can't even get past the first encounter. Just inspiring and a goal to try to get to. We have another question from Kobe in the community. And Kobe wants to know, did you ask Bungie to make contest mode permanent? Thank you for your question. <laughs> I mean, I wish we could straight up to them, but all we can do is at them on Twitter. Pretty sure Salt had plenty of threads asking Bungie to do things, or at least discussing. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I mean, moves, ma maybe many people do. <laughs> many people do it all the time. Like, I even said something in my interview. It didn't end up in the interview, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> the one for Kingsfall. So uh -huh. people have asked uh, plenty. Uh, would be nice to at least get an answer, even if it's unknown. You know, like yeah, I've I've seen on Twitter quite a few people from the community you know request for things like contest mode to be permanent and sometimes the community managers do respond but but i also think that to a degree the destiny community is so large that it feels like sometimes it becomes difficult for them to like manage what everybody wants in the community but also i feel like there's so much diversity in, in what people expect for the game to have and, and how they envision destiny to be like. So I definitely think that's also a factor. And now I'm curious, what does destiny mean for you as a game and as a community? Does it impact your life beyond you know just playing raids i mean i think so like for all of us uh you know if it wasn't for destiny we wouldn't <laughs> be as close of friends as we are now right i mean we would never have met each other most likely so i think in that aspect like the game has 
you know, built something in our real lives that, you know, not, I guess not many others can experience or say. So. Absolutely. And what do you all do outside of destiny? Like what's, what's life like outside of the game and, and raiding school and work. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) pretty much just work or school. Most of us have pretty normal lives. Uh, as far as, uh, normal human things go, you know, school work is still like priority for a lot of us. Um, that may be hard to believe from a super casual perspective who hates us because they think, you know, we play the game 12 hours a day and get insight from Bungie and that's how we win. But yeah, at the end of the day, a lot of us are just pretty much normal people. That's I mean, for uh... me, Destiny, for me, Destiny is also my job, of course, because I do full time streaming and YouTube. So it's definitely like a big part. That's just one out of six. <laughs> the rest of us. It's just a very like unique situation where we have one person who's a content creator, whereas the rest of us aren't. And it seems the general community just assumes that we all know life the game, which would be neat if we could, but yeah, I'm always able to. <laughs> if I had infinite time, all I would do is play Destiny. Or at least something like that. <laughs> I was gonna say by the normal person standard, I'd probably argue that we still know life the game, but <laughs> obviously as much as we can. You are now Listen. owned by the traveler. <laughs> if I could do gym, school, work, and get world's first in destiny, then I think anyone could do other things and still be at the pinnacle of destiny endgame. You don't really have to spend that much time. And I know, Cruz, you mentioned, um, you know, doing things outside of the game. And I know that on Twitter, you've you've shared quite a few of your endeavors with working out. So I'm, I'm curious, how's how's that going for you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's why I was a little bit late. I had to go get in a workout. I didn't want to miss the day. Um, yeah, that's that's something I've been doing for almost four years now, which is funny because that's. To think that I was in the clan. Um, like before I even started working out and like my whole progress I've done while still being in the same like destiny sphere Um, it's kind of surreal to like look back on and think of how much things have changed Um, when I first even got into working out um, uh, a few years before that uh, I was really big into CSGO's pro scene and I forget the summer. Uh, maybe it was like 2014 or something like that. But Cloud9, which is like a full NA based team, went on a heater and was playing super well. And um, one of their players who goes by the name of Freakazoid, I think he just does like Valorant stuff now. But um, he was uh, pretty big into working out. And one time I watched a stream from him and he talked about how he wanted to be an advocate for gamers who didn't want to have to necessarily brand that nerd stereotype. Like you can be whoever you want to be and still love gaming. And when I started working out, I, I kind of wanted to do that because I've always been like into athletics. Like I played like really high level, like sports and stuff like that growing up. And even though I loved gaming, I, w- I wanted to be able to kind of do both. And now with a platform, I kind of want to uh, do my best to inspire others and show that 
Uh, you, you know, you can, if I love working out, I can do that while still being a gamer. And like, I can be like a, a nerdy gamer who's, who knows all about builds and what the best buff stacking is in a, in a game called Destiny 2 while still doing other things that I like to do outside of, outside of the game. You know, one, one thing that I find so interesting is that you all have, for the most part, pretty normal lives, right? Like, like you have your day jobs and you have responsibilities outside of the game and hobbies like working out but you're also able to maintain your ability to keep up with destiny and to do these amazing things like get worlds first right so i'm curious is there a specific way that you're able to balance all of that do you do you have a schedule for when you play destiny on a regular basis with your team or how, how does that work? Play the game when I have time. Not a set schedule or anything personally. Yeah, yeah I, I kind of just true. go with the flow as well. Um, you know, I try and fit it around like when I have class or when I have work or when I have like when I need to go to the gym. Um, but as far as like playing with like the team or anything like that, we honestly don't really do much specific practice or anything like that um, at all. Like we will just exist in the clan together and play raids together and, you know, farm out some GMs. And that's kind of how we build a lot of our chemistry. It's and it can be with the entire clan. It's not like we have to play with our core six versus anyone else it's we're pretty as a clan we're very um i don't know we mesh easily and we just kind of do whatever we want together <laughs> i don't think we even have like 10 raids as a team completed <laughs> like probably see and i i had this vision that you all just, you know, played raids every week, three times a week, uh, so that it was more of a routine for you all. That's really interesting. If we had to do that, we, I think we'd get sick of each other. <laughs> and now, what is, what is next for you all in your journey as content creators in the world of Destiny and as players in Destiny with the upcoming raid? Go for a fourth. Yeah, I think like continuing to play the game, continuing to like, you know, evolve or evolve as the meta does, make sure we keep up with everything and, you know, try our best when the next raid comes out. That is kind of the game plan. Not much has changed for us um, since, I guess, like really the first world's first. That was probably the biggest change of a clan for us. Um, yeah, other than that, it's just keep the status quo enjoy our time and then play lightfall get another world's first maybe get a couple more followers on twitch <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah well that's that's really that's really great and i'm really excited to see where you all go in the upcoming expansion i'd love to see you all get Number four for your world's first. That would be pretty, pretty cool to see. And so excited to see where you all, where you all go with your destiny journey. 
And Guardians, we have a couple more things to talk about tonight. We have the King's Fall Raid that just came out with Master Mode that is available right now. So I hope you all have a chance to enjoy the harder difficulty. And um, I'm curious, I'm sure you all probably have done the Master version of the raid, but have you all completed the Master uh, King's Fall? Yeah. <laughs> and how how was that compared to day one? Like how would you all gauge the difficulty level between playing master mode versus the day one? I think it heavily depends on your um artifact level. It's like I'd say personally it was harder than the day one just because it's champion spam and the enemies just hit harder. But I think if I was like power higher and had defended the moon for a while then it would have been easier it makes sense i don't know i was plus 15 on the artifact for me it felt combat wise it felt way easier than the day one but it's also hard to judge because you already know what you're doing so i don't know it's very hard to compare a new situation to like uh, something you already know because I'm not exactly sure how they one would feel if I went in right now. Kind of hard to compare it. I think it's usually easier though, like unless you're very, very low level. And, and I'm curious, going back to, you know, the day one experience, did you all think that you were going to go home with number three? We were confident on our capabilities. Obviously, you never know. Like there are many strong teams, but we definitely knew we had a strong chance. And... Going back to King's Fall, what was the experience like the day before? Did you all prepare? Did you all do anything specific to get ready? As in, did you go and play Destiny 1 King's Fall like before you went into the experience on day one? A couple of us, not the day before, but um, in preparation for the raid, went back uh, to play through King's Fall um i think we did it twice only um yeah, but just to get like a refresher and um you know for myself i had never played d1 so kind of get the feel of the room and stuff like that um because you know looking at it in a video is one thing actually playing it you get a better feel of like the room layouts and such um so just a little preparation that way um as for the day before you know just kind of the standard stuff where we were all together in a voice uh discussing what we think challenges could be things that we wanted to try going in uh making sure that all of our builds are ready to go all of our weapons were leveled and such and yeah and then just getting trying to get a good night rest uh before the day yeah from from your day one experience what was it like doing the the totems again i know that for us at least for me and shadow price when we went into the totems that was kind of a it was uh it was definitely a DPS check because especially once those um champion ogres spawned, it 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 kind of wrecked everything. We were not able to manage manage them very well on the totems. So I'm curious, how did you all approach the the totems encounter when you when you played on day one? Uh I think we <laughs> played it not pretty well, to be honest with you. Um, I think there were a lot of nerves on the team, uh, 
So when we went in, you know, we had a lot of sloppy deaths or like forgetting very simple things during the encounter. Um, so we screwed up and wiped several times. Um, so yeah, I think on our first run through, barring like, you know, um, technical difficulties that we had later on, the Totems is, in my opinion, our worst encounter. And I think most of us kind of agree with that. I think that's a lot of like teams, like LFG teams undoing is the totems. It's like, if you, you know, there's just so much going on. Like there's so many ads during the totems and there's like a lot of chaotic things happening. Like, you know, so I can't imagine, I didn't play the day of contest mode because I had to work, but I can only imagine how difficult it was. It's actually something that was kind of funny. Um, when Bungie released the statistics about how many people, um, finished each encounter i remember like a lot of players in like you know the quote-unquote hardcore end of pve were like talking about like oh i can't believe this many people didn't finish totems encounter like blah blah, blah things like that and i was really surprised like that i was like if i was you know somebody more casual in the game and i was just jumping in like i would have gotten murdered by totems like i did not think the encounter was easy at all um so yeah it's not surprising to me that like many people would have struggled with it one thing that I've noticed for me is that, you know, having played the King's Ball raid now 15 times, 15 completions, and I did make an attempt at day one. But going through all the different encounters, I've noticed that I feel for me, at least, totems were probably the most challenging. Like, I definitely think that Oryx had some level of coordination that you needed to have because there were a lot of moving parts for example you had to take out the 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 ogres and the um um blight eating knights you know there were a ton of ads too that you had to manage but i still feel like totems was kind of more challenging than the rest of the raid at least for me i think the artist encounter was war priest but totem was definitely close second Really? The War Priest? Yeah, I mean, I think by far. I don't know. I feel like that's where most teams got stuck, due to like the damage checks. That's really... Yeah, I, I heard that uh, War Priest was very much a damage check, because you you had to deal quite a bit to, to take the War Priest down. But I will say, after contest mode, it was fairly straightforward. I feel like at least for for us as as a team, we didn't really struggle a whole lot during the War Priest encounter. The game is completely different when contest mode is on versus when it's off. Because something that's a DPS check as its difficulty measure for contest is likely going to be very easy once contest is off. Now, would you say that for for contest mode, did the War Priest have a larger damage check than let's say Golgoroth or Oryx. Easily Oryx was probably the easiest damage. Well I guess Sisters is easier, but Oryx's damage was extremely easy. Golgoroth's wasn't too bad once Kairos's PC sorted out his issues. But War Priest was the only one where damage seemed like it could be an issue. And now for the Golgoroth encounter, did you all enjoy the the different um, changes that Bungie brought about, especially during the 
phase where you did damage to Golgoroth. How how was that all for you all? Yeah, I mean, I loved it. <laughs> I think Golgoroth, like, as playing the get raid over and over again, like, I think that encounter is probably my favorite at this point now. I remember hearing, like, all the D1 vets always, like, praise the encounter and be like, oh, Golgoroth is such a great encounter, blah, blah, things like that. I never really understood it. Even when I played it twice, I was like, yeah, yeah, this encounter is okay, I guess. I didn't think it aged that well uh, in the D1 version, but I think how it's executed in D2 is, like, phenomenal. I think is. You know, I think you can put it up there with most, you know, modern uh, raid boss designs nowadays. Like, I think it's complex enough. So, was the challenge in D one? You know, for the challenge for Golgoroth, everybody had to get it, get the gaze right. Everybody had to capture the gaze like once. I think. Right. Yeah. Do they? They do they do that in D two at all? I haven't tried it yet. The Destiny One challenges are triumphs in Destiny Two, while the the contest mod, like the challenge mod, challenges were different than new ones. Ah, oh, gotcha. Okay, I'm pretty sure you need done. to do the yeah for the CL. You need it. Yeah, the challenge that had to be done for the day one was you had to pass the gaze when the person who had it was inside the DPS orb. Oh, okay. Are there any strategies that you all can share in terms of? how to prepare for something like a day one. Do you have any specific armor builds that you recommend or um, any type of weapons that you prefer using like linears? The general thing is bring linears, bring a divinity, bring two to three well of radiances, and then you're set. The rest doesn't really matter. Those are like the core things. And now everyone should have 100 resilience since it's just too good. Now, do you think resilience is more important than uh, recovery? Easily. Yeah. And times more important, like they're not even comparable. A permanent 40% damage resist is one of the most broken things that they've ever had in the game. Like they talked about nerfing protective lights. It gave you 50% when you were half health and had charge with light stacks for a short amount of time. This is just a permanent 40, no matter what the situation is. And what are some seasonal unlocks for, for this season, at least, that you all recommend as like essential perks to unlock during the more challenging activities like uh, Master Raid. You mean in the artifact? Yeah, yeah, for the artifact. Uh, there aren't really any crazy <laughs> mods this season. Unstop Shoddy is probably the most important one. <laughs> so the only three that come to mind. Once. Or yeah, the resist mod, the one that's let you lets you get the double for two, the unstoppable shotgun, and then uh I just blanked on the third. The one to wheel more with forbearance? No, I Inferno guess? Whip. Just to be able to stun champions with solar melees, because a lot of people are on solar classes for totems, and it just lets you be able to always have something. I think yeah, the final tier hasn't really been that great in like, I don't know. I want to say like a couple seasons. I don't even think last one was that great compared to like I mean, the old days. I'm saying we had classy last season. Class is the most broken mod we've ever had. I we didn't know, think about it. the most more. broken. <laughs> I mean, particle, the fusion article is fucking. I think particle is. I don't know. I think it, it completely removes survivability as an aspect from the game to have classy. I'm not sure. Mm. Even without its survivability is not much of an issue. 
I think Particle is possibly the single most broken mod just because of how much of a damage buff it was versus when you don't have it. Anarchy obviously gave you a debuff with Breach and Clear and reloaded your weapons, but most of the time your slugs had auto-loading of some kind anyway. And now we briefly talked about Lightfall, and I'm curious, how do you all plan to prepare for the next raid with uh, Lightfall? Are you going to stack bounties to, you know, try to level up your artifact faster? Are there any specific strategies that you'll bring in from your past experiences doing raids into the next one that will help you? Well, I hope we won't have to stack bounties. Like, I'd hope the artifact would be reworked. But um, if it isn't, then yeah, we'll <laughs> we'll just have to do it because unfortunately, the artifact can have some meta-defining things. And if you don't bounty prep, and then there is something that's really good, you're going to have to just go to the moon and just farm bounties your own way or AFK macro, which is not something any of us do. Um, so. That's definitely something we'd consider. Um, as for like genuine preparation, at this point with our group, we don't necessarily have to do a bunch of like team practice. It's not like we're a bunch of six new people who've never talked to each other and have to build the cohesion. That cohesion's been built over years and years of playing together. So we get to kind of just roll up to the day one and and play it and do well. Love that. So. Or for players who are new to the raid, what would you recommend as advice for the new kids on the block, like myself and Shadow Price? I would say if or you can go ahead, Klaus. I was just gonna say make sure you have like the strong DPS weapons and a strong set of armor. So right now with resilience being as broken as it is if you're not rocking tier 10 resil you're kind of trolling yourself a little bit and then same thing for dps weapons where obviously reads regret reads regret lets you stack fonts of might but if you're not doing that then have a good crafted triple tap firing line type hand because you don't want to intent like make things harder for you that you could have prepared earlier it's tougher to prepare for actual like encounters and like trying to solve them but at least when it comes to gear you want to make sure that you're as prepared as possible yeah, and what I was going to say kind of goes to Quaz's point um, about the practicing for encounters and stuff. There really isn't much left in the like that you can do in the game for practicing that kind of stuff, except for new dungeons when they come out. Um, so if you're like new into getting into day one or day ones and like want somewhat of practice, I think like, you know, spending the time to do the dungeon when it comes out, obviously they don't have contest mode or anything, so you can overlevel them, but like, you know, taking the time to learn the mechanics yourself, see how you problem solve and things like that. It's kind of a good opportunity that you don't really want to cheat yourself out of if like you're new to this kind of stuff. That's um, great advice. And Guardians, we have one more thing to talk about tonight on the show. We have a Bungie weekly update. And this week, it's a fairly light one as uh, Liana starts the bungee update with um we do have a few things to mention during this update um bungee is continuing to support important causes out there uh we have hurricane fiona that hit if it was last week and there there were some pretty uh major 
uh, damaging events that occurred. Um, and Bungie is continuing to support the efforts with a Team Rubicon Preparedness Month campaign that will be happening through the month of September. And they are going to be helping the uh, Super Typhoon, uh, the Hurricane Fiona event, and the uh, earthquake that took place in Mexico. Um, so that has been a really unfortunate um, turn of various events that took place. And there are humanitarian efforts that are being put into place. And Bungie talked about that. Uh, they talked about the unfortunate um, storms that took place in Puerto Rico uh, as well. And they are putting together an incentive to raise funds. They already raised $200,000 and they have another week left. And you can get a really cool emblem for supporting the cause. Anyone who donates $50 or more by Friday, September 30th, will receive the Seeds of Hope emblem in Destiny 2. Great way to support really important efforts and get some bread in the process. So I hope you all get a chance to participate in that. And uh, there is also some new stuff for us to acquire from the Bungie store. Uh, there is a Season of Plunder soundtrack that's actually free via Bungie Rewards. Uh, so that's really nice to see them bring into the game and especially for free. I really enjoy their music in, in Destiny. So it's great to see them give us a little extra for our efforts this season. And it looks like they also have some really nice merchandise for us to acquire, too, with this season. Uh, Liana states that players who complete the Beacon's Guidance quest will have um, the ability to decipher locations with hidden treasures that will allow you to purchase the Beacon's Guidance hat, which will be available only during Season of Plunder. And in addition to that, players who have completed the, uh, I'm going to butcher this uh, name, the Lepidopaterist. Wow, that is such a, is it Lepidopaterist? I think so. I don't know. Uh, but there's a triumph. If you complete that with the purchase also of the Witch Queen, you will have a chance to get some additional collectible items from the Bungie store. There is a shirt, there is a seal a pendant that you can get, and looks like a little figurine also is available for you to get with your achievements in-game. So do check that out. And there are some legendary... Um, looks like legendary armor that you can get um for your three characters for the titan you can get the doomfang plate for the warlock you can get the ropes of nezarak and for the hunter there is the vest of orpheus and these are all uh ways for you to show more fashion in the game so i think that's kind of cool i'm definitely feeling the og 
hunter vibes from that um, vest of Orpheus. Looks very, very uh, vanilla Destiny, in my opinion. What do you all think about this uh, armor? I like the synergy it has with the exotics. Um, so, I mean, if I think if it's an exotic you like using, then go for it. Um, I think the only one really that is meta, though, is like the Hunter one. I wouldn't necessarily think about using Doomfang pauldrons aside from a really meme build. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah, that that hunter armor is really, really cool looking. Oh, definitely might have to check that out. And we also have some updates from player support. Bungie did note that there is a hotfix that came out today with hotfix 6.2.0.6. And that included several updates, including PlayStation 4 crashes at the title screen after pre-ordering Lightfall that was fixed. The 120 hertz refresh option uh, is missing on PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X. So uh, it's nice to know that that was resolved because, yeah, it, you know, it's nice to be able to play the game in higher frames on the next gen consoles i should say current gen now because they're not really next gen anymore but they've been around for a while um and lastly they did talk about the seismic strikes move uh that had the camera to first person view instead of third person so that was also resolved with hotfix 6.2.0.6 6. they did also talk about crucible quitter pop-up uh, Bungie is currently investigating an issue where players will mistakenly receive an early match Twitter pop-up when launching directly into another activity from the Crucible post-match screen. Players will not receive a penalty when this occurs. Pop-ups can be uh, mitigated by returning to orbit prior to launching a new activity. So if you had that happen, if you're not, you're not going to get banned or anything like that. Bungie is aware of the issue and are working on it. And they do also have some known issues that Bungie did mention here. Uh, for the Queen's Wrath perk on Wish Ender Exotic Bow, it works inconsistently on certain PvP maps. So if you do enjoy using the Queen's Wrath perk, uh, be aware of that. The Nine Lives Ghost Shell is missing from uh, some of the flavor text. Duplicate Shader rewards can drop from Bright and Grams. Public event dialogue audio on Nessus does not properly trigger when participating in an event. The turrets in the Catch Crash activity are overly bright. Hmm. Interesting. And players may be killed when activating the bells in the duality dungeon. Ah, huh. so that's what it was. Because so I think that actually happened to me when I did the duality. So um, good to know about that. We also have movies of the week that Bungie shared with us. So congratulations to all of the winners. Uh, with that, we have artists of the week. 
and congratulations on that. And that was that was the update. Really short and sweet this week. Nothing nothing too much. Now we do have a tradition on the show where we rate the weekly update in the form of spicy tuna rolls between one and five. And I'm I'm curious for you all, how would you rate the Bungie weekly update between one and five spicy tuna rolls? One being really bad and five being best update ever. Oh, oh boy. I think I could speak <laughs> for everyone saying it's a zero. <laughs> that like there's yeah, been so much the armor is something that's more than uh, it's so the armor is something i there has been almost next to nothing for the past few twabs i'll give it a one I mean, because the armor exists i'm happy they are aware of the belt killing you in duality i'm not happy of the fact that that's been happening for two months <laughs> no yeah so, now they're aware i mean a couple months yeah. <laughs> i'm just waiting for a good twab yeah so I, I have to agree with you all. You know, I think there was one really good redeeming quality from this update. I like the fact that they gave us a soundtrack for free. <laughs> it's always nice to have a little bit of extra stuff from, from the game. So that's, that's nice to know uh, with the update. But yeah, it was very, very light. Very, very light. I really hope we eventually get one of those big twabs like the road to the witch queen i don't think we will get one but i would love to get one for lightful there was so much cool info in the one they released back then now you know i'm I'm curious i feel like the twabs have been less eventful i feel like it's more based off the fact that we just got a big reveal and they don't have anything else to share like they kind of already talked about like the big brand new things that are cool with lightfall so, I mean, what else can they really talk about? Season Plunder came out. It's it's all right, but you know, it's a season. There isn't really much else going on. There was a reply to the TWAB post today of somebody saying another dry TWAB, and then the Bungie account replied and said, "We're still kind of like shallow in the pool of stuff to talk about for TWABs after the whole Destiny showcase." I'm I'm curious, Quaz, how would you rate the weekly update between one and five? Between one and five, I'll give it a one and a half then because of the armor, because it's something. I can respect that. And what about you, Salt? I don't know. True. Like there Two. wasn't there wasn't really much of the info that I like to see, like sandbox and you know, balancing changes. That's usually what makes it a good job for me. So very cool. And Vile. How about yourself? How would you rate this week's Bungie weekly update? I will give it a one since that is about as low as I can go. I didn't even read all of it. I scrolled through it really quick, saw the pictures, and then pretty much closed it. <laughs> so I saw pretty quickly there was nothing there that interests me. So. Great. One out of five from Vile. And Shadow Price, how would you rate the Bungie weekly update? One and a half. So... Yeah, nothing special in there. The uh, armor was cool, and that's pretty much it. That's light. You know, they already, like, you know, the guys said, they already had their big reveal. We're just waiting on the next big thing, the new season. What well, we have one new season left, right, before Lightfall launches? Is that one more. It? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, one and a half. 
Okay. And I'm a little torn because, you know, I, I like the fact that they are supporting the September national disaster cause. That's really great for them to continue to support important causes like that. But as far as like updates for me as a player, I, I like the, the soundtrack. So I'm going to give them some credit for that. I like the um, armor pieces that they introduced for especially the hunter i think that looks really cool and very reminiscent of the og destiny experience so i'm gonna probably say two out of five because i you know those things did add a little bit to the experience but overall it was a very light update there wasn't a whole lot to be excited for as 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 a gamer I am going to download the soundtrack probably after the podcast. But other than that, um, yeah, I would say two out of five spicy tuna rolls for Cornholio and Guardians. Wow, we have come to that time where we get to wrap things up for the evening. Thank you so much, Guardians, for joining us tonight. Clan Elysium, you all are amazing for everything that you do in our community. Before we let you go, I do want to share with our guardians where we can learn more about you and what you do in our community. Cruz, do you want to kick things off? Um, sure. I mean, the easiest way to stay connected with, I'm sure most of us, but myself is through Twitter. So if you have Twitter, um, follow. Um, it's all of our links are, or uh, our tags are in the tweets. So I'd say that's probably the easiest way, but mine's uh, at the TV cruise on Twitter. Very cool. And we will make sure to include all of your links in the show notes for the episode. And Quaz, what about you? How can we learn more about you and what you do? Similar to cruise. I'm Quaz 79 on Twitter and then Quaz D2 on Twitch. Very cool. And Salt, what about you? Um, I'm Saltagrippo D2 on Twitter and just Saltagrippo like everywhere else. Uh, like Twitch, YouTube. I mainly do Twitch. Very cool. And and Vile, what about yourself? Yep, same as everybody else. Uh, Twitter would be the best place. Uh, and mine's just at Vilefate. So. Awesome. And Shadow Price, where can we learn more about you and what you do? Twitter at ShadowPrice79. That's where I am. Very cool. And Guardians, you can learn more about the Destiny Show podcast by visiting us on Twitter at The Destiny Show. You can find us right here on twitch.tv slash The Destiny Show every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We are working on a new website, and that will be launching very soon at destinyshow.com. You can also find us on the Instagram at Destiny Show Podcast, and you can find us right here on, on Apple, on Spotify, on Stitcher, and every major platform. New episodes are live Thursdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, and we also have recorded episodes available for you every Friday. So we do hope you check that out. Next week on The Destiny Show, we're going to be talking about the new graphics cards and the new technologies that are 
right around the corner we have new tech to be excited for as gamers and we're going to be hanging out with mr power gpu the ceo of power gpu mr jesse martinez joining us next week thursday at 7 p.m eastern 4 p.m pacific and guardians thank you so so much for joining us for another episode of the destiny show podcast and we'll see you all next week good night and we will see you dark side You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.